Hey, and welcome to Inside Intercom. Today's episode is a special edition in that it's the first in a new regular series that we're calling Intercom on Product. I'm Des Trainer, the co-founder of Intercom, and I'll be hosting this with Paul Adams, our SVP of Product. Over the time that we've been building Intercom, Paul and I have had lots of conversations about all things product, and that's what we'll be talking about in this new series. Hope you like it. Hey, Paul. Hey, how are you? So, this is our first episode, and we will forego any formal introductions at this point and talk about producty stuff. Let's talk about product quality. I think every product org out there has a challenge that people join, customers use it, there's PMs, or designers, engineers in the org, and inevitably they're looking at something that they could ship, and they're asking themselves some version of the question, is this good to go? Is this at our standard? Yeah. Will people like this? Is it okay to ship? Yeah. How do we think about that? How do you think about that? Yeah, this is obviously a long-standing thing here. And it's not just when things are ready to go out the door. It's like through the project too, like design reviews. It comes up daily, like is the design of a certain quality or standard? Have we made good product decisions early on? Is the problem well understood? Is that to our quality, the description of the problem? It's constant. And one of the phrases that has been used here a lot at Intercom over the years is, does that meet our bar? Uh, That's because of our value, right? We have this value that says our bar is higher. Yeah, that's right. And that that intimidates the shit out of people uh, when they're like, well, hang on, I thought our bar was higher. And then they they point to bad bits of design and they're like, hey, I thought our bar was higher. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and and it's uh, problematic because the bar is subjective. Right. Like one person's bar is someone else's like low bar or someone else's high bar. Mm -hmm. And our value doesn't describe the bar, it just says the bar is higher. I mean, is it fair to say there's like no easy quantitative way to sort of say our bar is like 86% your design must be at least getting at least an A minus you know yeah yeah I think it's, it's it's fascinating because for years we struggled with this and like you said people could come join the company and struggle with it and one of the things that we kind of hit on recently which sounds somewhat ridiculous is that the bar is a zone it's not Deep. a bar at all <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so now we've got a zone yeah. and a zone is definitely easier than a bar like a bar right. feels like a line yeah. you know like, you like pass or fail yeah whereas in reality it's way more open than that and it totally depends on what's going on. So, for example, when we were saying like, well, actually, the bar is a zone. And so at the bottom of that zone, mm-hmm. you can almost have like two lines. You can imagine yeah, this visually. Yeah, yeah. Uh, at the bottom, there's a line and it's kind of like, OK, if it's below that line, it's yeah. like clearly just rubbish. And yeah. that is like, no, we would never ship that. That's not OK. It doesn't meet our standard whatsoever. And then up at the top, you've got the high end and the top of that zone, another line. Mm-hmm. And above that, it's like somewhat like objectively brilliant and amazing and wonderful. And we unanimously agree that that's just brilliant yeah. class ship it and then in the zone the bar is dynamic and so it depends on things like you know who experiences this thing so is a settings is a deep deep settings or customization screen okay. held to the same standard as our messenger which is seen by millions of people so the point there being like like the screen where you can control how periodical your salesforce uh, plugin syncs which is basically <laughs> a drop down on a button as far as i know yeah is seen probably by one sfdc admin once a month, maybe, right. per company, which is still maybe thousands of people, but they experience it once. And it's also, it's a very singular purpose screen. Yeah. It's okay if it's a bit substandard, let's yeah, say. A bit rough around the uh, edges. A bit rough around the edges. Or at least it's, it's okay if we didn't spend 12 hours in the design studio perfecting a dropdown. Yeah. Where, versus our messenger, which is seen by like, the, you know, t- tens or hundreds of millions of people. That's a, it's a different kettle of fish, basically, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. And I can imagine people listening in on this thinking, well, of course, you should hold Duh. your standards. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not even that. Yeah, I think yeah, actually yeah. the opposite. They might disagree yeah. with us and say, right. don't drop your standards. You should right. never drop your standards. Yeah. And actually, what this comes down to is your investment in t- of time. Yeah. So if you're sitting there finessing the drop-down menu of the deep mm-hmm. Salesforce customization, 
you're not doing something else. Mm-hmm. And so what we've learned is, well, actually, no, don't do that. Yeah. Like, like to your point, it's one person once yeah. a month or something. Yeah. And instead, spend your time in a different zone, yeah. if you like, on the messenger or yeah. fin- finessing that or whatever. It's kind of connected to like, you know, like the mythical like seven deep drop down menu or whatever. It has very low upside, right? Like, right. As yeah. in like the upside is pretty much bound. Did the person, you know, pass through this mandatory field or not? Yeah. Versus like new product exploration has an unbounded opportunity, right? Like as in, yeah. this can be amazing. Yeah. And uh, and if it's amazing, it'll perform better. Yeah. Versus, man, that was a beautiful way to reset a password. I've never been more engaged in my life. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, yeah. So I, I think, like, you know, there, there is an interesting point there, like, which suggests an idea of like that, like, you would walk past a design piece of work and say, that is so good that I actually think you've wasted your time. Right. Is yeah. that correct? Like, as in, like, you know, if you're saying the, the bar is a zone, in fact, there, that suggests there is a place above the zone where we're actually into like, the deep navel gazing corridors of design where it's like, mm-hmm. well, we're onto our 15th different typographic re- 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 mm-hmm. revision here yeah. and we really don't see the point. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not just design. It's not just limited to design. Like it's also limited to engineering. Mm-hmm. You could look under the hood and say like, wow, that is the most beautiful code I've ever mm-hmm. like, seen in my life. And it's like, well, yeah, how long did it take you to get yeah. get it down to yeah. that? Yeah. Um, Refactor for, number 27 has yeah. diminishing returns. Right. And like st- it's product too. Yeah. Uh, and like I, I, for me personally, at least when I kind of reflect on all this and kind of this realization recently at the bar is a zone, yeah. I think I've had to like, you know, eat apple pie, no, eat humble pie. Humble pie is probably <laughs> more correct. Yeah. Yeah. Apple pie is just apple a nice thing to eat. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Should eat, eat more apple pie? Eat humble pie. And, and um, you know, because years ago I probably didn't have as good an understanding of this and the trade-offs required. And so I would probably hammer people on like, hey, that setting screen is super janky. We need to like make it way better. That mm-hmm. doesn't meet our bar. I can't ship that. But these days... Someone will say to me, if I n- indeed saw that or even commented on it these days, someone would say like, well, actually, that's because I'm doing this other thing and that's shipping tomorrow and mm-hmm. this thing's going to go out next week. And I'm like, brilliant. So there's definitely been a, so a like, journey there. For folks out there, like, you know, how do you take a set of like, how do you take the context and decide what part of the zone we're aiming for? Like, is it like, yeah. is like how important is the screen or how much time do we have or what do our competitors have? Like, well, what are the, well, what drives your decision on where in the zone we want to land? Yeah, so I think, so there's definitely more. We came up with like maybe three or four, like, you know, um, variables or things to pull mm-hmm. at. And there's definitely more. So I think one is, one is things that are just objectively right and wrong. So for example, radio buttons do one thing and check boxes do another. Right. So if you're just incorrectly using yeah. the common standards of the web. Yeah, you're just wrong. You're just wrong. Yeah. So that's clearly like not good yeah. below the bar. Yeah, you can be beautiful and still wrong. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. like ghost buttons is something you know yeah, you and yeah. I've been talking I about hate recently. Ghost buttons. Yeah, like yeah. the ter- like why make something not look clickable or hard to click or, <laughs> or hard to see? Hard to see, and if, then wonder why it's not converting. Yeah. yeah. So that's one thing. Like there's just objective industry standards. Mm-hmm. Then there's things like experience and context, and this is like one of the things that's been tricky for us. So one of the examples we were using is. With Intercom, and I'm sure like any other product out there, you got to learn a lot about the product, how it works, how our customers use it, and what things they need and all that kind of stuff. And when new people join the company, they could be extremely senior. And yet, if you put like three or four brand new, very senior people together, they will likely do things that don't meet the bar because they're like specific specific things to the Intercom product and they haven't got a good understanding of it at all. And so the level of experience with the product matters yeah. like to the to the objective piece the level of experience in your industry matters and so one of the things we started to realize was to kind of get the right balance and these things are trade-offs you know and to get the right balance in this zone 
requires context and experience. And not just experience in years of being a designer or being a PM or being an engineer, but years at your company mm-hmm. and using the actual product and talking to your actual customers. So that was like another big thing that we touched on. And then the impact of the of the changes that you're working on matters too. So like, you know, the Salesforce example, like the setting deep in the Salesforce mm-hmm. saying like how high, how high of an impact is that on mm-hmm. to customers in terms of number of customers it might affect or how how much better it makes their experience or changes mm-hmm. the value equation for them. Maybe they use the thing once a month, like you said, but maybe that's the most valuable thing for them mm-hmm. all year. So I have to make that point about onboarding, which is like every single customer will go through your onboarding. Yeah. So it really does matter. Even though everyone only uses it once, everyone uses it. Right. That's why it deserves so much attention, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so it's kind of a bunch of things. Uh, We're still working on it, for sure. Talk to me about the connection between, like, say, a pattern library. A pattern library, in some sense, should, like, lock in a minimum standard, right? Like, as in, if you're going to say, let's say we decide to release, like, the next revision of third-party integration that has a lot of configurations and settings, I would expect that, like, whoever the designer is for that is like kind of building out of Lego components produced by our design systems team. Yeah. And in that world, they should have to go out of their way to make a make something substandard in that regard. Like that is kind of one of the benefits of an actual pattern library, I assume. Yeah, I, th- I think that comes back to the context though. So right. for example, you know, I hope we don't have ghost buttons in our pattern library. Yes. Uh, right, so that, that, that would be a good thing, I think, yeah. in our opinion. Yeah. And instead we have buttons that are clear and visible and work well and are fast and all yeah. the rest of it, give you nice feedback, et yeah. cetera. And so at the UI level, the standard should be met, the yeah. bar should be met. Yeah. Uh, but it's putting those things, assembling those things right, together. Yeah. You, so can like, still, yeah, you can still take a load of cool Lego and make a bad toy, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, that, that, that makes sense. Let's change topics. Something we've talked about quite a bit in Intercom has been, we talk, you know, we celebrate shipping a lot. We have like our, our, yeah. our sort of ritual every Friday where teams demo what they've worked on. And we broadcast that you know, to all five offices and basically everyone kind of, everyone's obsessed or anchored by what new stuff we've produced. And I think it's it, it's a fair criticism of, of such a ritual is that if that's all we celebrate, we can mistake the output for the outcome. Yeah. And this has come up a few times. How do you talk to our product team about that? Yeah, it's a hot topic, I think, in the industry in general right now, in the PM industry at least, outcome versus output. We have celebrated output, like, I think it's one of our strengths, actually. It's mm-hmm. one of the things we've been greater over the years. So we've celebrated it. And we've definitely not been as... What's the downside there? Like, then we, potentially we can ship, like, one million features and, like, one person no one uses one of them once or whatever, yeah. right? Like, so you've got this big, broad, like, miles wide, inches deep. Yeah, I think yeah. you could have, like, different scenarios. One is, um, like, we shipped loads of things mm-hmm. and then no one used them mm-hmm. and they make us no money. Mm-hmm. All right, that's bad. Mm-hmm. Or loads of people use them and still make us no money. Mm-hmm. Or, well, we shipped loads of things... And now independently, and our product is like just this mess of like yeah. assortment of random yeah. stuff we ship. Or we ship them and they're buggy as shit or they're yep. horrible to use or they're all way worse than market. Or, yeah. yeah, yeah. But there is a, certainly a thing just in our industry and it's very natural that like the moment you ship is the celebratory moment. Yeah. So like we were having a joke internally around outcome versus output where obviously we celebrate the day we launch a big thing. So that's the day, right? The, the day to take the big thing ships with cake and balloons mm-hmm. and whatever else and celebrate yeah. people and celebrate yeah. the team and yeah. we're on Slack chatting away and it's a big deal and everyone's yeah. delighted. And if you're on the team, it feels like a great day. Oh, yeah, brilliant kind of like day. Awesome, yeah. yeah. But if you're on the team, you also realize, you know, the you people, who, the people who are not on the team yeah. go out for beers to celebrate you. And yeah. you're on the team going like, well, we're not going for beers because 
we yeah. just ship the thing. We make sure, yeah. make, like, do we break it? And is there bugs? What's happening? Yeah. Do people like it? Is it good? Let's get feedback, right? So you're like hungry to yeah. stay on, obviously. And so then it was like, oh, well, let's just have the celebration, you know, two weeks later yeah. when we've got some outcome, yeah. not just output. Yeah. But that's ridiculous mm-hmm. because that's just not going to work either. I don't mm-hmm. think it's human. It, it's, hard to, it's hard to manufacture the artificial sense of celebration two and a half weeks later when like your 100th, like whatever message has been sent or project has been created or whatever yeah. you do, right? It's just not the same. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting. Like One thing this reminds me of, is like, I remember Jason Fried from Basecamp wrote an article to say that the week before they launched Basecamp 3, he sent his whole team home like at 2 p.m. every day and told them, look, like we're in the dying stretches here, so you all need to relax because next week is going to be intense. Right. It's next week that we need to be replying to feedback in sub-second time. It's yeah. next week we need to be quickly iterating features that didn't work the way we thought. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I totally like that. I'm reminded of that every time we come near launch at Intercom. I'm looking at the team who are like clearly like fighting their hardest to get this product out. But I'm also realizing this is like this. This is like not the beginning of the end. This is the end of the beginning. Exactly. Yeah, we have this value like ship to learn mm-hmm. here internally, and that's obviously a big part of that too. Uh, the shipping and shipping is the beginning. Part of the ship yeah. to learn is that shipping is yeah. the beginning. Um, but another thing that came up, which touches on something I know you've been talking about quite a lot about around market impact. Yeah. But one of the things that came up was like, what is outcome? So yeah. output is like, oh, we ship the product or yeah. ship the feature. It's now live. It's now yeah. live, yeah. So what is outcome? And then you can measure it by all sorts of different things. But I think a lot of people jump to usage. Mm-hmm. But there's all different types of things. Mm-hmm. There's like product impact, which is mm-hmm. usage. Like, hey, mm-hmm. do people use this thing? Mm-hmm. Uh, is it valuable? Retention? Do yeah. they use it again and again and yeah. again? Yeah. There's financial impact, which yeah. is like revenue. Yeah, does it correlate or does it cause people to spend more money or stick around longer? Yeah, exactly. Even uh, within usage, like there's like, you know, it would be easy for us to release a new feature that gets used, but really just consumes usage that was previously happening some other way. Right. Like, so as in Intercom's actual value to a, co- to a customer isn't any more net valuable. Yeah. It's just we've moved some usage from one part of the app to another. Yeah. Now, that might be a good thing to do, but it's just like you shouldn't confuse that with like, because the new feature is used, it is therefore like now useful. Yeah. Uh, it's just you can just move things around. It's like I used to point this out like when Diet Coke released, I think Diet Coke with Lime. They had like, yeah. you know, they, they were selling millions of it, which was great, but it's just they were selling millions less Diet Coke. So they yes. hadn't actually done anything other than diversify their product line. Right, exactly. Yeah. 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 I, I used to see this all the time as well, like prior to Intercom and different companies and teams I worked in before where everyone was obsessed with outcome. Yeah. And as a result, they obsessed about usage and numbers mm-hmm. and metrics and everyone's just eating each other's usage. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, and the companies were bigger, so people didn't really notice. Yeah. So everyone was celebrating outcome. Yeah. Except Lovely. no one was winning. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like the company yeah. wasn't winning. Yeah. I often think about this as it relates to reactions in Slack, which I think are like a cool feature. But I often wonder, what are pe- what would people write? You know, so a classic yeah. thing we'd post in Slack would be like, great job to so-and-so on launching such a feature. Yeah. And in a world pre-reactions, what would happen next? Everyone would like pile on and say, that's fantastic. I saw mm-hmm. you working hard on that. So cool to see a chip. You should be really proud. Yeah. And the world afterwards, we all click the thumbs up emoji. Yeah. And I, I often wonder, like, was that like a net positive change? Like, would you swap 100 thumbs up for 25 actual thoughtful comments? Yeah. And like the engagement will tell you, well, you know, thumbs up is more popular. But I really do wonder sometimes, like, is that a net step forward or not? Like, Yeah. It comes back to value, I think. Mm-hmm. Like, what, what, do, what do your users or customers actually value? Yeah. And I think a lot of this gets hidden by numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and certainly over the years at Intercom, at least in the product team, we've always been very strong qualitatively. You know, it's kind of like a, originally when we started out, I think you and me, 
or at least I certainly dr- yeah. would drift. If yeah. you drift one way or the other between qualitative and quantitative yeah. feedback, I would always have drifted towards qualitative feedback. But these days, yeah. it's much more balanced, in fact. But you can kind of get a bit obsessed about the numbers too. And mm. the numbers can often hide the reality, which yeah. is, is this what people wanted? Yeah. Is this actually what they find valuable? Yeah. It reminds me of that. I think it's an Andy Grove quote who says like, Anytime you're tracking a metric, you need to like have a counter metric, which is the right. thing that you don't want to sacrifice while yeah. improving this other thing. And uh, I think if your entire definition of outcome is a single metric to influence, you need to really keep an eye on pretty much everything else in the system mm-hmm. to make sure that you're actually getting things you do want and not just juicing one number and sacrificing a lot for it. Yeah. I think the way I framed this before, uh, just generally about the outcome versus output is like, a product, I think it was Mark Andreessen who said this recently because it stuck in my head, but like a product is effectively a conversation with the market mm-hmm. and your your launch is like your opening gambit. It's like basically mm-hmm. I'm going to say a lot of things and if you agree, you're going to talk back to me. And that talk might look like signups and churns. It might look like trials that don't convert. It might look like trials that do convert, but like massive feature requests to whatever. And the conversation really only gets going after the, the market replies. And yeah. that, that's when it's basically a case of, are you a good conversationist? Like, are you, are you going to get into this? Are you going to chase down loose ends? Are you going to like make sure that this whole thing is moving? But I think um, the alternative to this is, and probably the one where you, if you consider yourself an auteur or like just a pure artist where you're like, I have finished my sketch. Here it is. Like it or don't like it. Mm-hmm. Who cares? Yeah, you know, like yeah, uh, yeah. In, I, I've committed my piece of artwork to the to the masses, and yeah. it's it's with them now to be smart enough to appreciate it. Yeah. Whereas I think, like for us, it's much more. We know that we only know maybe half the story. Even when we say we have a thorough understanding of a problem that our mm-hmm. new product might solve, we're very aware of the limitations of our understanding and and like the real world implications. When the rubber hits the road, it's actually much harder and more complicated, and that yeah. didn't come up in the interviews, and it didn't come up in the data. I think the ability to turn the output into the outcome is kind of what, you know, the art of product in some sense, right? Yeah, very much so. And it's not any one big bang. It kind of goes back to the celebrating the launch thing a little bit. Yeah. You know, sometimes sometimes different companies are trying to like drive up different numbers for for good reasons. Mm-hmm. And it's rare that you do it in one big go, right? It's not like yeah. everyone's looking for like the big thing and they hope that the thing the they ship is going to be the yeah. thing. Like, <laughs> yeah, the feature, the change, the iteration, yeah, yeah. or even killing something or whatever. Yeah. And uh, you know, just time and time again, it's the many things mm-hmm. and the small things and the fight, you know, the kind of fight within yourself and within the team to stay disciplined and s- stay focused and continue to like, like you said, talk to the market, listen yeah. to the market, yeah. talk back. It takes perseverance. Yeah. And it's not superficially rewarded. Yeah. Uh, and you have to, you also have to be really open to the idea that you're going to like huge parts of what you said in your opening piece might be wrong. Uh, yeah. Ego's a, ego's a problem. Yeah. And especially like, uh, internally in the company you need to set it up so that it's very safe for everyone yeah. you know leaders all the way down and all the way back up yeah. again anyone at any level to say uh, you know to take yeah. ego off the table and say well okay we got that wrong we're gonna yeah. try again and yeah i thought that feature would be okay. cool turns out no one wants it yeah, yeah exactly yeah or really? you know i may i i i we made a decision and i led that decision like two mm-hmm. months ago or one week ago and now it turns out i was wrong too and that's yeah. okay and we're gonna try something else the thing i think like the natural pushback like so you launched something and no one used it no one likes it whatever you had a cool new way to do something and it just didn't resonate the amount of times i've sat with pms both within intercom but also outside of intercom and their angle of assigning blame is very external it's like <laughs> right. it's like you know here's the problem marketing didn't point out the brilliance or yeah. here's the problem sales can't sell it because it is or here's the problem customers can't find it and it's actually mm-hmm. a findability problem turns out it's not my feature it's actually dia of the product turns out it's right. not my feature it's actually the, you know and i think um what i want to say is like 
turns out the thing that's the only thing that all your failed features have in common is you, you know? Yeah. And like this idea that like, until you're able as a PM to accept that you are very fallible, yeah. you're almost certainly going to like exist in a fantasy land where it turns out all your decisions were perfect and mm. the entire world is to blame for not catching up with you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I think that, that like that is the sort of, in the last maybe 10 years, like we've kind of seen the industry evolve to kind of deify the role of the PM as just like uber mm. mensch. And this is the whole, the PM is the mini CEO, the PM knows everything. The PM is at the center of the world of like design, yeah. business experience, technology, you name it. And I think um, it's fine if you want to position yourself there, but you have to be humble about it because like, yeah. you know, there's so much learning you need to do and you can only learn when you have an assumption that you don't understand something. Yeah. Otherwise you're literally impenetrable to learning or to education in any, in any way, shape or form. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it is fascinating. There's two things there for me that you kind of touched on both of them. One is the environment in which these people work. It must be the case that the environment pushes them that way. Mm-hmm. Or, or maybe like, I mean, these things are complicated. It could be all sorts of things they've done in the past and experiences they've had. But generally speaking, the environment needs to be set up in such a way that it's okay for people to yeah. not feel that pressure, that they must be right, that they're the voice or the genius or, you know, yeah. the CEO slash Steve Jobs character in the yeah. room. Um, so that's one big thing. But the other, the second thing, it, it touches on a value that we have here around when we ship something, we have this balance of confidence and humility. Mm-hmm. And so, and both of those matter. The confidence comes from, hey, we did a good job. Back, like back to the bar, back to yeah. the zone. Like, hey, we made good decisions. We did good research and good analysis and good scoping work and design work and engineering work. And like, we feel confident mm-hmm. because we've done a good job. But no matter how excellently we executed the project, there must always be humility. Always, always. And, you know, a lot of times in the past, different kind of mistakes we've made have come from a lack of confidence or a lack of humility. And it's a delicate balance, but you have the humility to say, hey, we're, we're likely wrong. Yeah. Uh, and it's guaranteed we're not 100% right. That's just guaranteed every time. And so and we're likely wrong about maybe 20, 30, 50% of this. That needs to be your position. Mm-hmm. Like uh, be way beyond safety, way beyond it being safe for you to feel that in the company. Yeah. Your default position, and it should be celebrated, is, hey, this is going to be half wrong, and we're going to go from there. Yeah, and we'll, exactly, I'm, I'm, We'll learn and we'll move on. Yeah. That was our discussion on product quality and market impact and outcome versus output. Uh, And that's the end of episode one. We'll catch you again next time. Yeah. See you later. Thanks for listening to the Intercom on Product podcast. For more content, go to our blog at intercom.com slash blog or subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud or Stitcher. This is Intercom on Product.